your brain might turn to putty. But there's still a chance to learn. We'll be your study buddies. We're going to talk about some stuff and make research cool. What up, what up? Welcome to another week of Study Buddies, the podcast that brings you the latest in science and psychology. And sometimes more. My name is Paula Sanchez-Abreu. And my name is Taylor Collins. We're your co-hosts, and we are here today to talk about... The study from last week. Shocker. Uh, this is our Passing Notes edition, my friends. <laughs> what Do you think I was going to say something different there, Taylor? Yeah. What do you think we, I was going to say? We thought you were going to say, we are here today to talk about the fact that is it is the Monday following... The election, which lasted for like a week, uh, but we are feeling good. It, it is, is finally sort of over, like question well, mark. There's depends what news channel yeah. you're on, whether mm. or not it's over. Yeah. But like it's mainly over. We are we are here with like fresh eyes, yeah, fresh full hearts and souls and vibes and energy, and we are very happy. For yeah, we TV feel safer. Monday. You know, we feel a little bit safer. There's still so much work to be done. So but, much work to be done. Uh, but onward, onward we move. And with the safety net, we head into this episode today. So what is the study that we are reviewing this week, Pella? So it's my test time. Now it's the time for my yes. test. You know what? Yeah. I'm freaking ready. I feel so ready for this test. I'm just going to go for it. Last week, we talked about a study and it was called da, 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 Aesthetic Capital, a research review on beauty perks and penalties. Yeah. And it was a meta-analysis, which basically means that they compiled results from a multitude of various studies. And this meta-analysis was looking particularly at this term called aesthetic capital. And if you'll remember, listeners, aesthetic capital is essentially the traits of beauty that... Um, are, can can be used as assets that can yield you privilege, opportunity, wealth. It's like it's um, your looks as a commodity, essentially, is what aesthetic capital is. How am I doing, Taylor? Yeah, you're doing great. We, we are we are saying that beauty can give you privilege. Yes. So what they wanted to do with this study is they. Well, how they conducted this study was that they searched um, sociological abstracts and psych info between 2000 and 2009, and they looked specifically for peer-reviewed articles that talked about the negative and positive outcomes that are associated with beauty. And so they used these like keywords, beauty, physical appearance, physical attractiveness, to identify 196 studies to use in this meta-analysis. And basically what they found after looking at all of these studies together was one, there are more perks than penalties that come with beauty. And they were able to identify that this capital, this aesthetic capital is measurable and can it, liter- it can literally be used as an asset to obtain other forms of wealth. Boom, boom, boom. Woo! So, Pella, now it's time for me to give you a grade. Yeah. What is it? What's my grade? And I'm going to give you a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I don't know if if I told you, though, the actual reason behind your 10 out of 10. Oh, no. What? So, 
I did good. You did great. I, I'm going to... so smart. I would give you like an 8 out of 10. What? I think, you know, it's really hard to be perfect, so I don't like to give people 10 out of 10s, but... but but you're so pretty. Oh, <laughs> you're you so pretty so that um, I did decide to give you two extra points because oh. of just like the way that you delivered it. And I your mean, kind of aura. Thanks. I, I work you guys, you know, really hard and wash my face and stuff. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, you guys at home don't get to see the beauty that I get to look at when we do podcasts. But it's uh. So Taylor, you know, just the fact that I received two extra points because of my beauty just speaks to how you know, this data is influencing my life and is very true to my life. And that leads us directly, you know, just a seamless transition into our first segment called the day to data. And this, this is a segment where we look at how the data can affect our day to day on a personal level. I think a place to start with with this study is really, where do we feel that beauty has benefited us. And I part of the reason I really want to talk about this is because I think we talk about so many forms of privilege, like racially and mm-hmm. um, with education and with gender and with class. religion, yeah. class. Like there's, there's so many forms of privilege that we've come to explore and be really open about. And one thing that we don't talk about enough in society is beauty. Yeah. And I think genuinely think this is something that every single one of us senses like regularly oh, yeah. on the day-to-day we benefit from it Paula you and I are two I would say absolutely like, gorgeous women yes 100% we're you know if you take the America it's so hard to like not humbly humbly bragging as I'm talking about this but yeah I, no I we're just absolutely way. gorgeous women I don't really know if there's any other way to say it <laughs> <laughs> but on the spectrum of like stereotypical attractiveness like that's something that we might benefit from yeah and there's different ways that we might benefit from that and that's what the study talked about so Mm. I don't know if there's anything that comes to your mind specifically that you think of well I mean and and the study mentioned a little bit about this how the entertainment industry uh you know benefits from having beautiful people just on screen and in on stage however it may be um because it's such a visual medium and so I definitely think that my aesthetic capital has benefited me in my own industry. I literally don't think that I would have booked as many roles if I didn't look the way that I did. So it it has been a way for me to gain other forms of wealth for certain because it's directly related to my job. I mean, the first thing, you know, you get called in because of a headshot. They look at mm-hmm. your face and they, they say, oh, sure, that's what we want in the room. Yeah, we want that very beautiful person that other very few we want to just put a bunch of beautiful people in the same room to compete against each other and that's that's what my industry is and so I I definitely feel like it's been beneficial to me from a financial perspective which is crazy to think about like beauty opens doors Mm -hmm. to opportunities yeah Um, all sorts of opportunities I think whether it be like jobs or even like in in the the study does talk about this but like in friendships and in groups like you have this social clout that comes with beauty i think yeah. it's something that we all 
recognize and then like people want to be around you and it leads people in businesses to like spend money so for example Mm. if you're running if you're trying to get like a bartender job like they're much more likely to hire an attractive person than an unattractive person they also literally like if i don't know if you've ever applied for a job at a restaurant but there's some restaurants that ask for a headshot along with your resume to work at a restaurant Yeah, I've applied for a job at, like, a very small-scale pizza place when I was in undergrad, and they actually asked for, like, to attach a picture of your face. And I was like, that's interesting. This is an interesting job for pizza, but okay. Right. It just goes to show how, like, lucrative it is to surround your business with gorgeous things and people. Yeah. And I think, like, thinking about jobs, like – I think about when when beauty was a privilege, if I go back to when I was in undergrad, I think directly of doing Rush. Oh, like for, for like your sorority? Yeah, like sororities in Greek life, I think there's these different rounds that you go through. And in the first rounds, you, you talk to girls and you, you know, introduce yourself to them and you get a feel for their vibes. And in the first rounds, you have five minutes to talk to someone mm-hmm. and you really don't have you're not able to get a full sense of who they are and it kind of becomes this like really shallow like rooting weeding out system that's Mm. totally based on a beauty hierarchy I think initially at least if someone (laughs) gives off a really negative vibe that might nix them out but like whether or not you're like this the level of attractiveness that sorority wants and you're gonna look great in their Instagram page I think was like very much so reflected yeah do you remember the movie house bunny I do yeah Um, that was with Brittany Murphy I believe Right, she was the house bunny. I think that was her name. Yeah, she pa- she passed a very very early young beautiful age. Um, oh, sad. But interesting. We'll go back to that. But Brittany <laughs> Murphy um, was in this movie called The House Bunny, and there, I just remember this <laughs> this scene where she's like looking like she's viewing the rush process, and they basically just have headshots of these mm-hmm. girls and are just flipping through these pictures they do that that's real that's when I was nuts. that's not a that's not a thing and I part of it's to like jog people's memory of who they are of course sure but when you when you go through rush you submit a photo I, I don't know, remember if it was one photo or a couple photos I think it was just one photo but you submit a photo of yourself and like that is used to assess and when people are in the later rounds when people are going through people to mm-hmm. you know say yay nay that they use that and it is so aggressive that's fascinating too because like if you think of I mean if I think about sororities I also think like yeah of course like partying but there's also like a business aspect to it there's a lot of networking that happens and social connections and so and so knows like somebody's dad knows so and so that can get you an internship at this place that can you know that can kick off your whole life and the fact that like your aesthetics play so deeply into something just as simple as that is pretty nuts right aesthetics race and your affluence level I are think things that all are pretty openly worn yeah. in recruitment and in Greek life and in the world and I think just by what brands you're wearing, what race you are, and what level of beauty you are, it opens and closes doors for you so quickly. So quickly. I also think that it can be, like, on a larger scale like that, like, whether or not you get a job or whether or not you're, like, accepted into a social group. But even in the small, like, scale on a financial level where if I'm in a bar, I am Mm. maybe more likely to get a drink bought for me, which means I have to spend – I get to spend less money or I am more likely to get – some sort of 
like kind of compensation where I can walk into a place for free than yeah. someone who is less like stereotypically to the American standard attractive or not. Yeah, that is super fascinating. And like, I do think that, I mean, sometimes mm, it could have to do with gender, but I also feel like as somebody that has been to many a gay bar, like it also doesn't have to do with gender. Like if you're a pretty girl at a gay bar, you will also like get like women will also buy you drinks. Like it's, it, it's amazing how it does transcend that like gender spectrum. Like beautiful is beautiful period. Yeah, so you might be more likely to get drink spot for you. You might be more likely to get attention. And that kind of moves into, I guess, another question I wanted to bring up is how has it hindered us, which the study essentially said that there really are more perks to beauty. If you look at the studies and what they looked at and what their findings are, there are more perks. But there was also a substantial amount of penalties. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that the study didn't actually talk about that I found Um, when I conceptualize like how my beauty has hindered us would be kind of feeling safe or unsafe in situations. Oh, for certain. Yeah. Where I feel like you might be more likely to be incessantly bothered by someone at a bar or I've had times like I can, I think about this one moment where like I had this really cute power suit on. I had worn it all day. Mm -hmm. I was so excited to wear it. And I was walking home from a friend's house and I was wearing this power suit and I was really close to my house. It was probably like midnight though mm-hmm. and she lives like a couple blocks from me and I was like one block down from my house and these two men like changed direction to follow me oh my and they God. kind of flanked behind me on either side and they were really close to me and they like started like kind of like whispering and talking and then they started like asking me questions I don't really remember exactly what and I was so nervous and I like they looked they seemed very suspect and I like turned around and I said can you guys like step back please you're really close to me like they were walking very fast behind me Mm -hmm. um and they were like no girl like we're your guardian angels we're gonna walk you home like we're gonna make sure you're good and I I was like no please like I'm good like I'm right at my house pretty much like thank you, please keep, please keep space. And they were so close to me and I, they were too close for me to even like grab my pepper spray or anything. Cause they were within like six feet of me, both of them after having totally changed course to follow me. Yeah. And, Ugh. um, they stood at the bottom of my doorstep while my hands were like shaking to get my key into my door. Um, and I just like went right into my door and like closed it, um, and just started crying. Right. And it was, yeah. it was really a, like I thought about it and I was so angry because I had felt so empowered yeah. have, earlier in that day being in this like power suit that I had bought and I had felt so like confident in myself and really just like proud of, you know, my aesthetic and proud of yeah where I am in life and a lot of just I had all this pride and then in that moment while these men were following me, I was absolutely terrified. I was like, I wish I wasn't in heels. I wish I wasn't in this outfit. Like, I feel like yep. I'm making myself a target. Like, it was like this, my beauty almost like took a 180 in how I felt about myself. And Ugh. it went from being inc- like incredibly empowered to like terribly insecure like a, and scared. A target. Yeah, for certain. Yeah. I, d- I think, I mean, women across the globe identify with that. But I like, I, I have been followed. T- t- too many times for my young age. Like I'm, I just think it's insane that we get followed in general. But I, I, there was a long period of time in my life where I like, and I still, I think because we're not going out with COVID, I don't necessarily experience this as much, but like 
I don't, mm-hmm. I just realized like a couple years ago that whenever I would get dressed in like a skirt or a dress or like for an event, like look really nice for something that I had to go to, I would get like anxiety, like wouldn't really be able to eat. Like my breathing would change right before I had to leave the house. And I like in this outfit, like a lot of the times if I wear makeup, like all of those things, I get physically so anxious and so nervous before I leave the house. And it's funny because I can look at myself in a mirror and be like, wow, I look so good. And that doesn't feel good. Like it feels scary to look good sometimes in, in my body. And I, I think, I mean, it's most likely tied to the fact that like when I go out, I have to be so wary of cat callers and because I have been followed before um, and people get, mm-hmm. you know, violent when you don't, they can get violent when you don't return, you know, the affection that you get from a literal stranger on the street. And that's why famously the winter is my favorite time of year because I look like a marshmallow and nobody can see my face because I have a scarf up to my Especially eyes. Especially in COVID where everything yes. is just like totally covered and yes. no one can tell you that you should smile. Like that's a thing. People will be like, make a little joke as you like Ugh. buy something at the counter and you're like, I just... I don't need to okay. smile for literally anyone. <laughs> yeah, like, especially not you, sir. Enjoy Ugh. your day. Um, yeah, but I definitely, the, the safety thing is like a real, it's interesting that the studies, no studies touched on that, but like I definitely have felt unsafe. The, the more beautiful I look upon leaving my house, the less safe I feel. It's a, I think it depends on the day for me because sometimes mm-hmm. I feel this sense of like, it, there is it, there's a weird power to falling within like a beauty stereotype mm. and I think when you're someone who is like used to benefiting from that like it's just your yeah. day-to-day norm of yeah. like feeling that way and so like sometimes I think you can feel really good in that and like sometimes in those situations you can feel like very unsafe and it can turn yeah I think it's probably but because it, like I the reason I don't I because I have to walk everywhere like I have to take this out I'm never like in a car looking beautiful <laughs> like it's so rare that I'm in a safe <laughs> no, place that makes, looking gorgeous that makes so much sense I actually hate walking places in the city in general yeah. where yeah and I, I think part of this is a gender thing too and I do want to comment on that because I don't think it's I don't think that like just attractive women get cat called I don't think just attractive women get harassed that's true um, yeah. and I and it's not just women either it's men too but I just do think they're it, it feels, at, at least in my own sense of myself, that when I look more attractive that I may be m- more likely to get bothered. Oh, one. Or if I wear something that's more revealing, you know. Yeah. This reminds me of this um, one time when I was I was shooting something down in, in Chicago um, on the south side. And it was an area that, like, I wasn't familiar with um, personally, but I knew that, like, some shit like went down around there um but I was like in full makeup leaving a shoe in the fall so like it was nighttime it was like dark outside and I was like okay how am I gonna get from the shoot like the shooting location to the train and like not be paid attention to like truly like not so what I did was I walked down the street as if I had like a hippo between my legs and I was just swinging my arms up and down in the air, like rocking my head back and forth, looking totally nuts because I knew that I looked beautiful. But if I like appeared just slightly, slightly kooky that nobody would talk to me and it really did work. And I have to tell you, 
it's amazing oh how making my physique ugly made me feel safer to get it to reminds the train. me of like the Jenner Marvels video that was like really popular back in <laughs> early early late YouTube time I think this was like 2010 2011 where she would be like dancing and then like would turn around and make this like hideous face if a guy was like dancing up <laughs> on her like there is there is a reason to that yeah um, it's so funny how like manipulating your aesthetic capital and your beauty can actually change your circumstance yeah so speaking of manipulating your aesthetic capital and beauty I do think it's really also important that we talk about something that I think about a lot which is like how much investment this this study made me really think how much investment into our own beauty do we think is healthy and like where is the line between like having self-care and having like agency for yourself and it's being like a positive thing to take care and pride in one's appearance and like vanity like where is that line I don't know if it's clear yeah I mean I I feel like the the way that the way that I would say is like if it is taking away so much time and not giving you benefit like if it is hurting you physically which like that happens a lot you know like I just think that if it's if it's taking more than it's giving you and not just like mentally but also like your body like if your body is enduring a lot of pain like I think that there's that's where the line is but there's also another world in which I would be like it literally doesn't matter at all like no vanity is helpful (laughs) yes but I don't know that that's true I think it's also really entwined with like our own level of comfort with ourselves and our self-esteem yeah and maybe the people we're around and what they value like I remember so I always struggled with mild to moderate acne Mm-hmm. But it was always, like, just mild enough that my dermatologist would be like, you're pretty much fine. And all through undergrad, I would always have, like, some sort of blemish. And I would not – maybe this was a part of a consequence of being in Greek life or feeling insecure, but I would not leave the house without having some sort of concealer with me. Because if I had put makeup on, I might look, like, fresh at the beginning of the night, but then – Two hours later, I would go into a bathroom and then my, like, there would be a red mark that showed and I would always, like, sit there in the bathroom and cover it up and I would, I would feel like my confidence would increase having mm. done, like, minor makeup touches. And, like, yeah. for me, that was the touch-up that I always had to do. But I think for different girls, it's whatever different yeah. thing, like, they feel like you need to touch up, whether it be your hair, your eyes, your blush, yeah. your lipstick, your, you know, whatever, adjusting a part of your clothing to, like shape your body a certain way like I think there's always these things that we're doing to be like okay like now I can feel confident um Mm. but really they're actually really these minor things that probably other people aren't noticing but to us it feels like we're increasing our aesthetic capital or it's something that like yeah you think about it's like a self-confidence kind of it's aesthetic capital but you're using it for yourself like you're giving yourself more beauty and then like paying yourself the reward of like feeling more beautiful yeah but I do think it's it's like kind of a double-edged sword because it's it's ultimately rooted in kind of an insecurity oh for sure so I don't know if it's actually like it I don't know if that's the same type of the study talks about doing body work or other things in order to help us 
kind of engage in things to make our aesthetic capital better and stronger. And I think that like some of those things can be really beneficial, like buying a pair of pants that fits you the right way Mm. or like working out. Yes. But then when it becomes like you said, where it's like a detriment to your own like mental health where you're like oh if I don't touch this up I'm gonna feel I'm gonna sit here in this meeting and feel insecure because think that like is someone thinking about the fact that space in your brain I feel like that's not but that also is a very easy thing to say when you are somebody that like doesn't have to do too much to to gain aesthetic capital like I do feel like yeah okay I like work out but that's like for my own mental health other than that I really don't feel like washing like I wash my face in the morning and I put coconut oil on and like that's the amount of like body work that I engage in on a day-to-day like I really don't feel like I do terribly much work and so I think it is easy for somebody like me to say well you shouldn't have to do that much work to feel good about yourself because I don't bear the consequence if I don't do that work Right, because you aren't told by society that your value is inherently lower based on what your baseline like looks are. Yeah, or that like genetically I'm just blessed with excellent baseline looks, you know, which is like, <laughs> I, I mean. Sometimes it's really hard to talk about these things without being like. Oh, I don't like care. It- <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. I- I feel nervous about this because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it feels weird to brag about yourself because then all, every single person I think has their own insecurities going on in their head too. Yeah. But I mean, I just famously brag about myself, so I don't. I this is very on brand for me. <laughs> I think in talking about how this is related to our value, I really want to move to our next segment, which yes. is called Macaroni and Cheese, and it's a segment where we connect the study suggestions to the bigger picture. Yeah. The bigger picture of this being truly, like, how other people see you culturally or, like, how you fit into the cultural idea of what is beautiful does affect your general placement in in the entire world. Yes. Let's talk about culture and beauty because I think sometimes I wonder if, like, it – if not I wonder like there it's just so many factors that play into what is beautiful and it has astounded me absolutely astounded me how as women our body parts can go in and out of style depending on the time yeah of or the era of when something is depending on what culture you're in and I think then there's also like a biological piece that play like I think there's a lot yeah of things or what going. clothing is in trend therefore what bodies fit into that clothing the best and yes and I think that that goes for women and for for men as well like I I, th- I think that body parts go in and out of style which is cuckoo nuts because we can't do anything about that yeah like I think particularly okay there's two things well there's a lot of things that come to mind that get me going but (laughs) think about 90s eyebrows okay our eyebrows they just grow in on your face they are just a little caterpillar of hair with no influence to anything that you are doing in life but in nine in the 90s they were not a caterpillar in the 90s (laughs) they needed to have pencil thin eyebrows almost non-existent we look back at the pictures now and we're like ew god britney spears well and and it's crazy too because like now you know thick like bushy well-shaped eyebrows are in and all those people that like shaved off half their eyebrows now are just like well they're they're gone like i can't Get that They're like, back. I was plucking for so long, I actually lasered them off yeah. and I got them in now. I'm so mad. I know yeah. women that so, got their eyebrows tattooed on to have, like, pencil-thin eyebrows. And now 
what else would you do, you know? You get a larger tattoo. I really don't know. So that is the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the problem, though, because there's more things like that. Like, we talk about, like, ankles and wrists, like, being shown across time. And, like, that used to be slutty. <laughs> that used right. to be, like, in the 1900s, like, ooh, damn, girl, you are showing yeah. your ankles. Like, you really get it. You really work in there. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> excuse did you see that she showed her elbow like um but then like I think about how it also used to be like low-rise jeans with your hip bones showing and like like, a flat butt super flat butt yeah like things with people would I don't yeah so like skinny was Mm -hmm. the thing and now it's like you need to have this like hourglass figure with thick booty booty. yeah but that's in style now yeah and even, like, even, so there's, like, things across time, but then there's also things across cultures, too. So if you go to different countries, like, there's studies that, like, women who have a larger body type in countries that have famine and do not have enough mm. supplies and food for people, that having a more round body type is actually more attractive because it's you're more likely to like survive so i think some of that is actually biological it's cultural like america everyone's supposed to be skinny but in other cultures they you you're it's better to have more weight yeah and even in like asian cultures they do things like foot binding which is i don't know if Paula, you're familiar with foot binding yeah like the just trying to make like women's feet smaller because that's like an attract that's like was celebrated um in the culture yeah so they like wrap up women's feet and like they have legitimate like their value in their marriage is associated to like how large their feet are so they would literally like squish women's feet up and they would have like bone deformities and like not be able to walk because they bound their feet because they needed to gain more aesthetic capital in that in that cultural context it is bonkers yeah and it's all of these things that like it does make you wonder like is this tied to like sexual biology and like what we are drawn to what we are looking for evolutionarily um but I I also think that it's it's part of the culture it's like something that's made which is fascinating and to a certain extent at this point like we can do so much body work that doesn't actually show what our insides look like like you can be super you can look super fit and like have like a heart attack the next day so it just seems like those two things don't correlate anymore and yet we're still tying it to value right and I think part of it might be the fashion industry industry too because like I think about like Victoria's Secret had this big thing for so long about push-up bras and like big boobs small bodies yeah and then there was this revamp several years ago where they were like Bralettes. Yeah, like, that, that revamp small, did not do well for me. It, I think it, it, I think I literally saw an ad that was like, flat chests are in. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that my boob size is now fashionable. What? <laughs> like, why are my boobs going in and out of fashion? They're yeah. my boobs. Like, can we? I don't. Yeah. Know. It's like one year you get a boob job. The next year you have to get them removed. Like, what? It's crazy. And that's a trend we literally saw. Like, yeah. how many women went and got boob jobs and then had to have them and then got them removed later on? Like, I'm just, I can't. Yeah, I feel, I feel like now, like, breast reductions are more in style than, 
which is fascinating to me. Maybe that's generational, but I do find that like it's, I, I know more friends that have had breast reductions than friends that have had breast implants. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, it is definitely like related to all these factors. And I don't know, one thing I want to think as we're talking about these macro kind of points and we talked about politics, I think that there is a deep-seated sense of relief uh, in my mind that we may not have President Trump as an additional president for four years. And it's in thinking about how he has navigated this. When you hear him talk about women and their value Mm. and you hear his relationship with like beauty contestants even how he's talked about his daughter yeah um it's weird and like this is someone who has like this is like a politician who has been accused of sexual assault uh, for example by uh Jean carroll and he had said that she wasn't his type which is like like the fact that somebody's saying like you're not my type so like i won't sexually assault you is like so messed up in like a thousand different ways horrifying and it's not just donald trump um there's other leaders like bolsonaro who is essentially like the brazilian trump he had told maria de rosario i would never rape you because you don't deserve it which is i i mean there's so many things that's wrong with that but it's so just the the constant tying of value to like your physical aesthetic is nuts like your yeah your aesthetic is is too low for me to even sexually assault or rape you is i don't know yeah i you don't have enough value to be raped is a misconception on rape too because i think rape oftentimes is more about a man's power and i shouldn't just say man man because sexual assault is not entirely yeah it's always a power thing but it, there is, I think, a power dynamic to yeah. sexual assault and to rape, and that but is again, out like more. when po- these politicians say these things, they're trying to they're trying to tie like their own wants to an aesthetic value. Like they're like, I would never want that because it's not beautiful, and like what I want, like what I'm search- seeking in beauty, is indicative of like my moral character that's in itself fascinating like the constantly trying to tie itself to beautiful things um to be seen in a better light is that's I think also a part of what's going into this also as we talk about politics can we talk about the fact that like how politicians have to work to be beautiful to be accepted because I definitely think that that's a thing Oh, it's huge. I think there's so many careers and lifestyles that are not available to people unless they fall along like a visual spectrum of attractiveness on some level. Mm -hmm. And for politicians, it's huge. Like people will vote. People are so fickle and they, I think, can vote so much more on like the visual appeal you have, your tone of voice, like what you present more so than the actual policies that you have. It's like how you come across. It's fascinating because I remember like and not that I disagree with this at all, but, like, I, re- I remember, I mean, in a certain respect, I do disagree with it, but I remember when um, <laughs> Kamala was, um, like, announced as VP uh, on Joe Biden's campaign, and I 
like a lot of my like super liberal friends were like, oh, like Kamala, you know, her progressivism is complicated because of all these things that she's done as a prosecutor, blah, blah, blah. Those same people that were talking about that during her candidacy, once she was announced as like the VP candidate, came out with all of these pictures of young butch Kamala Harris, which let me tell you, wow, the woman was a looker. She was so beautiful in her young age. She still is very gorgeous now, but like, wow, she was gorgeous now. Wow. That the, the one picture that was going around of her was absolutely stunning. And the same people that were like knocking her for all of her values, like all of her like political values were praising her and being like, Ooh, like I want that. I want that woman in office. It was just so fascinating how like it can switch like that and like what they're choosing to focus on rather than like what's actually going to help her lead. And this is like among like liberal progressives who, you know, everyone deals with this beauty infatuation. I just, I get mad about the time that needs to go into building aesthetic capital as someone who is like a politician or holds a certain position of power because I think about how much work men have to do on their aesthetics. And of course they definitely have to do some work. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. Joe Biden has been wearing makeup 100%. That man looks so freaking good for But regardless, (laughs) like on a day to day, like on a day to day, the amount of work that men have to put into their looks or the amount of time that needs to be spent in yeah. on their looks versus the amount of time that women have to spend on their looks. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what holds us back, women. This is why the patriarch is succeeding because we have to do our hair. Do you have any idea how much time it takes to yeah. condition and shampoo yeah. and dry and straighten and style and blow dry and, like, get your hair done all the time? Like, men just have to get a haircut. They put some gel in it, like, for the most part. Yeah. It's it's like it's really interesting. That's not including the outfits and the makeup. Well, it, now that you say that, I remember this story that um, one of my fellow actresses in the city was telling me. She's been on Broadway for years and years and years, and we were sitting in our dressing room one day, and she was talking about how there were so so um, when you're paid under an equity union contract, you get paid for like like your time for the week like 30 minutes before the show is included in your pay. So like any additional time past those 30 minutes has to be paid. And during those 30 minutes, you're expected to get fully dressed, full makeup, full hair, full costume, full everything in those 30 minutes and also be just ready to go on stage vocally, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And so much, so so much of the time women have to do so much more work to be ready to go on stage And men Mm -hmm. just have to, like, put some gel in their hair, like, maybe a teeny bit of makeup. And so what a lot of women in the industry, and also this ends up, now it's started to to translate more to men because there's a lot of men that are doing really intense costuming and makeup and wigs on stage now. But a lot of the time women have to show up earlier than their 30 minutes, and they're not getting paid for that time. It's just expected. And this has been happening forever on Broadway. And it's oh, just has to do with the fact that this, women have I don't to work think, harder. I don't think that's just Broadway. I think that's the world. It's just expected right. that every it was a, it was woman. It was just like a small I think I look at view into that for women me. Women like, newscasters. Whoa. I look at women on the day-to-day who are teachers. Like women who are yeah. parents and then work a job. Like you... I just I, I think I'm I, I get angry every time I think about the amount of time that women have to sit in front of a vanity. Yeah. And 
men don't. Yep. So and I, I at this and I will flip the coin and say at the same time sometimes I really like to do my makeup and I find it very pleasant to sit to spend time and do that. But that's a different thing than me needing to do that in order to like be at the same level as someone and yeah. achieve the same thing. It's a mandate. Yeah. Well, but then that goes to the thing of like, well, this is, you know, I'm trading this time for the money that I'm going to receive from doing this work. And that's right. And I maybe mean, and not and directly we'll never... like it might not directly be the money, but it might yeah. be like that my boss views me as more competent right. or I close this account. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's whatever comes along with like that clout of being more visually presentable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the things that I want to see next in this realm is I want to see how um, unattractiveness can benefit you. And I also want to see more of how beauty can not benefit you. Like, I want to see both of those those things studied a little yeah. bit more in well, depth or think, at least read some studies where that has been tackled. I think the interesting thing about beauty is that in order – like it's it's almost this double-edged sword because you can use it to get what you need but mm-hmm. because it's something that you can use to get what you need it's also something that you can be used for as well so it puts us in these uncomfortable yeah. situations a lot or makes our value equated to something so it can benefit us in some really tangible ways and yeah. it can really harm us in some other ways yeah and as we're talking about this, I do think we should also mention it's not just women, it's men too. Because men, I think, are so often confined by height and that mm-hmm. fits into their aesthetic capital. If men aren't tall, they're less likely to, to get jobs. They're less likely to be perceived so as attractive crazy. by dating partner, like dating partners. They're less likely to get like CEO positions. Like they looked at like the height of like CEOs and like most of them are like Ugh. six foot or taller, like... It's so upsetting. It's so upsetting. And I think it's so hard for men, too, because there's, like, things that women can work on with their their beauty. But, like, men cannot change their height, really. Yeah. So I think a lot of men, like, might overcompensate by trying to work out a lot or do other things that they can do because it's something that – that's something they can't change and they're judged so much by it. It's so tied to masculinity. Yeah. It is fascinating. In that, in that regard, I also, this makes me think, like, while we're talking about other genders, like, I just think about, like, non-binary people or trans people and how even, like, I, I definitely think that they are redefining beauty standards in a certain respect by, you know, mixing mixing gender identities, not mixing gender identities, rather mixing gender aesthetics and, you know, how, like, a man can be wearing a beard and also have a full face of makeup or, like, a woman can yeah. be doing the same thing. But how there's still inherently beauty being tied to those identities. Like, right. you still have to work to be beautiful even when you're ba- breaking all of these other boundaries in the world. <laughs> uh, that is so, so true. Like, it's still important to have, like white straight teeth in a symmetrical face even if you're not conforming to a binary system it's like there's still these standards of beauty that are revered even in a non-binary community yeah like even if you're gender fucking excuse my language but that's what it's called like you still have to play into all of these different beauty standards within that it's just it's truly oh it's a plague on our society 
Oh, it is. But we but won't it's get nice away to from look it. at pretty things. Yeah, yeah like I'm just going to say, like, we can talk about this all day, but we benefit from it. And it's something that's not going away anytime soon. When yeah. we stand in a room with people, every time we assess this hierarchy, it, it tells us how much clout we have, how much power we have in social interactions. Like, we are aware of our own level of beauty, like, accurately for the most part, yeah. which is crazy. And we do the same to others. And it's, yeah, it's bonkers. Bonkers. And with that, We'll leave you with another bonkers idea to explore in your brain (laughs) until we hit you with another study next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Study Buddies. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Study Buddies was created by Paula Sanchez Abreu and Taylor Collins. Our graphic design was done by Monica Ray Summers Gonzalez, and our intro song was composed by singer-songwriter Caught In Between. You can follow Study Buddies on Instagram at studybuddies.com and email the show at studybuddiespodcast at gmail.com.